0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast,
1: the latest on shares, markets
0: and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa.
1: Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be looking at key market themes as well as a number of UK equities. And on the podcast, we have us once more to go through these key Themes. Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for being with us today.
0: Hello, John. Good to be back.
1: So, Alan, we're looking at a FTSE 100 this morning, which is slightly softer. It's been a a softer week for London's leading index, although that it is after you know a, a couple of weeks of of strong gains uh, in that index. Of course, you know we saw lows around seven thousand. We did go up and touch 7500 on the FTSE 100. So. And you put that into context, we are quite a bit higher than where we have been in recent weeks. But Alan, when we're looking at these markets, uh, particularly this week, we've got Jackson Hole that's coming up uh, at the end uh, of this week. That's obviously the summit of uh, central bankers. And people are going to be watching, in particular, uh, Jerome Powell and his comments on uh, the trajectory Of interest rates in the United States. Now, of course, this year there's been a number of quite sharp interest rate hikes. Um, You know, you're looking at you know figures that we haven't seen for 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 many many years. I mean, is there the potential, Alan, if we're looking at this this backdrop now of you know potentially softer economic conditions with increased Input prices for, for businesses that's obviously following through into uh households and you know looking at the the cost of living crisis. there are many predictions out there that we're going to be seeing a recession in the u s possibly here in the u k that's something we've touched on the podcast previously but if we do, if we sort of detach the economy from from the markets for for one moment and we sort of look at how the markets have set up going into this meeting, do you think there's a potential here for for, for Jerome Powell to really sort of change his stance from being quite hawkish and talking about increases in, in interest rates. to one to say, well, actually, no, if things start to soften in the US economy, we could actually pull back on on interest rates, maybe slow the pace and maybe hint, and I don't think it's going to happen this year, but maybe hint at, at possible interest rate cuts in the not too f- distant future.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's very likely. And let's not forget, you know, the... The USA has already always been out there as the leading economy in the world, um, and has you know very much dictated the fortunes of other markets. The old saying that "down sneezes, we catch a cold" has never rang more true than it has today. Um, And certainly, it it has an equal effect on other markets too. Uh, So, I think the uh, I think the US have been uh, fairly protectionist and have acted haven't really acted. So much with regard to other markets, and although they may, you know, many in the government there may say, "Well, you know, we've got to get our own own house in order first of all." I think they have a responsibility to the wider global global economy. So I'm sure when the bankers meet at Jackson Hole this week, that will be something that they have to consider, because of course, if they if they if they can show the way forward, if they can, if as you say, Jerome Powell does take a slightly more uh, dovish stance on on the on the, the actions they're going to take going forward. Uh, so there's the prospect of maybe we're seeing interest rates topping out for the moment. Um, despite of course predictions of inflation increasing, then it may be that um, that'll uh, be uh, there'll be some relief in other quarters and we'll see we'll see um, the, the, the markets continue to push higher. Um, and, and and of course, and of course, that could um, that could well sort of feed into into uh, new jobs, um, new jobs, uh, 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 you know, uh, um, and certain areas of the economy seeing see, seeing benefits going forward. But certainly, certainly, we're we're in this summer the summer lull as well. We're in the middle of August, and uh, I think although we can speculate uh, an awful lot at the moment when everything restarts again. Mid September, um, that's when I would expect to see some decisive action. I think at the moment, a lot of the a lot of the governments uh, or many governments around the world are just looking to see how this plays out, because of course it is whether we we, we like it or not. The um, the the uh, inflation crisis is being driven by Russia's energy prices. And of course, they have absolute control over that at the moment, um, and it will take us. Many many decades to wean ourselves off the Russian gas supply. So until we can resolve that, we're very much uh, hostages to to fortune.
1: Indeed, I think there's a very very interesting point that you picked up there: the distinction between government action and central bank action. Because yeah. you know, as you said there as well, you know, this is a crisis that's been manufactured by the conflict uh, started by Russia over in in Ukraine. I mean, if we're looking at electricity electricity prices here. In Europe, you know, there's, you know, looking at all the major economies in, in Europe, electricity prices are above 600 euros per uh, kilowatt hour. Yeah. Now that is in comparison to before 2020. You're looking at a, a range of about sort of 40 to 50 uh, euros. So that, that you know, th- this is a crisis that's being, in terms of the inflation crisis, it's being driven by the supply side. And you know, central banks increasing the interest rates have absolutely no impact on that at all. Mm. Um, you know, they can control the demand side, yeah. um, but really, it's a, it's a job for for governments. And I think that the question is that we will finish off on the inco- economic side here. Alan uh, looks like Liz Truss is coming in. If we're looking here, just in the UK, I mean, do you think that she's up and sort of looking at her plans? That she's got anything in you know, up her sleeve? Uh, to control the supply side and, and, and bring down uh, the cost of electricity for people here, and obviously the cost of power?
0: Well, I, I think, uh, as I've said previously, John, um, uh, during the COVID crisis, um, Rishi Sunak uh, put together a very good furlough scheme, and um, this is a different sort of crisis, but it's a it's a cost-of-living crisis, and the government have a vast array of tools available at their disposal to be able to help um, um, households struggling with these sort of cost increases, so I've no doubt there will be some concessions. And I think if um, I think uh, it, that, that it's, that's probably why Rishi Sunak has in effect priced himself out of the job because he's he's um, he, he's looking at it from a from a formulate perspective, which is the right way to do in 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 some ways, but it doesn't sell. Um, it doesn't sell a, a, a solution to the crisis for the vast majority of the electorate, and I think what Liz Truss is doing is promising help. Uh, you know, promising to um, promising to, to to look at interest rates, and uh, and, and although that is the call of the Bank of England, you know, they she can she and her cabinet can bring pressure in certain ways to the bank to to um, to, 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 to devise a, a strategy to, to tackle it so I think hers is going to be the the more popular administration um, and I'm sure she will have um, she, w- when w- when the final presentation uh, presentations take place in early September I'm sure she will um, she will lay out a list of measures that she will take if she's uh, elected. Uh, as party leader and um, and thereby uh, becomes the incumbent uh, prime minister.
1: Yeah, she's, the, she's the odds-on favourite at the moment, and I can't see anything changing that. As you said, there, Alan. You know, the, the, these uh, leadership contests are more about how, you know what, what you can sell into uh, the party members as opposed to you know the realities afterwards. So yeah, so exa- watch exactly. with, Yeah, watch with interest um, yeah. going forward. So now, Alan, let's move on to the first stock that we're going to discuss today. Uh, one looking at, uh, at at the chart here, complete bloodbath. Uh, it's Cineworld. World. You know, this this is a company that was one that was hit very heavily by the the pandemic. Uh, we of course saw a good uh, a good gain in the, in the share since, but I think there was an element of investors thinking, right, everyone's going to go back to the cinema and and Sydney World are going to be fine. And forgetting the massive debt pile that they had um, from the acquisition of the U.S. business, I've been looking at it, uh, Alan. What's your views on Cineworld, given where we are now?
0: It's very right sad, isn't it? And uh, and the absolute irony uh, to me, as I've just I'm just on the Cine World plc dot com uh, web page. Uh, which says the best place to watch a movie, and you've got a completely empty cinema theatre in front of you, which I think absolutely absolutely uh, covers the the challenges that they face right now. Of course, they've just uh, completed the acquisition of Regal Entertainment Group, so it's now the second largest cinema business in the world by a number of screens, operating UK, Ireland, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Bulgaria, Romania, Israel, and, of course, the the USA. Um, and you've got within the group, Picture House, Yes Planet, Cinema City, Regal, I've just mentioned, of course, the Cineworld brands. But it, it faced a perfect storm with COVID. Um, and I think despite the fact that a lot of the major titles like uh, um, the, the new Top Gun movie and, and other films were delayed, they've not attracted uh, um, the the viewers back that they, they'd hoped to do, simply because there's this this uh, this lingering fear of COVID, the um, the new variants uh, emerging. Then, of course, we've got this monkeypox thing flying around, and I think uh, people, you know, whilst they're happy to go out and maybe uh, sit outside a pub um, and go shopping to to a point, they're not happy to go and sit in an environment where where they could potentially. Um, uh, 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 Potentially catch a new variant of of um, of, of COVID. So I think uh, I think if cinema if is going to survive, and at this moment it looks very unlikely, I think it's got to kind of tackle this. I think it's got to meet it head on and just say to people, uh, you know, say to potential viewers, come come and see us. We have these. Um, we have a a package where you can sit. Uh, we have uh, we we have filter there. We have this. We have that. We have um, we have uh, um, uh, masks that we hand out when you walk in, um, and all the rest of it, and and you know we all love or loved going to the cinema, um, and uh, and uh, you know it's a great place to to go and watch a movie, and, and indeed we still go, so I'm I'm quite happy to sort of go and take that risk, but of course I understand that others aren't, and I think you've got to uh, changing that mindset is the biggest problem the company or the biggest challenge is the biggest challenge the company's going to face. And we've seen the shares collapse from the year high of 85p to uh, they're currently trading at 2.7p today. So it doesn't look good. You've got all the major investment funds dumping their holdings. Polaris uh, Group um, uh, 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 dropped or dumped their holding today and offloaded a load of stocks. So, so uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm reminded of Thomas Cook a few years ago where I I, I took a punt because I believe the, the brand name would survive. And, of course, ultimately it didn't. Um, although in during the time um, uh, in the run up to the company, finally going to administration, um, there were some great opportunities to trade and um, the, the stock becomes a trading opportunity. So what you could maybe do, um, the, the, the stock uh, right now is only for the brave. Believe me, it really is but um, it's it's uh, got all these assets around the world it's currently got a market cap of 38 million and a big debt pile and it's not attracting people into the cinema but if if something changes or if there's uh, a development you could sh- see the share price go zinging back up to I don't know 5p 10p and there's an opportunity to to trade so that I that's where I see cinema cinema cine world right now um, it's a real shame for the group because I think um, uh, you know it's it's sad to see the cinema industry in this um state at the moment but um i think uh it's going to be many years really before the the fear of covid uh, recedes enough to track the audiences back that it once did
1: yes i mean obviously that the pandemic has been uh you know, the, you know the, the the cause of these issues but you know people not going back um and i've obviously pointed to uh, a slow uh, slate of new films and blockbusters coming through uh, in the summer is really causing some problems. But I mean, even before this, I mean, there are some real red flags with, with World. I mean, if you're looking at the total equity of a business that's been running in excess of 10 years, yeah. um, being at minus 345 million, and its goodwill is around 5 billion, and that goodwill is obviously from acquisitions, which can be Im- impaired going forward. You know, major red flags there. But as you said, Alan, you know they're talking about filing for uh, Chapter Eleven bankruptcy in the United States. There may be some interest there uh, in breaking the, the the group up, and you know that there could be some value. Um You know, obviously looking at some of the you know the, the property there. But you know, really, it's, uh, it, it's it's a tough situation. Um As you said, it's I mean, this this is a gamble more than anything. At this point in time, and it's a sad situation to see a to, to see a company which was ambitious. So I remember uh, when I was a broker some years ago; and they were going through the deal they did, a placing that was well in excess of their market cap. They were really going for it. Yeah. And you know, if we didn't have the pandemic, I'm I'm, I'm sure um they that they would have been fine. They could, they could have been paying down the debt. Uh, but you know, this this is a real casualty from COVID nineteen, and and unfortunately, as you outlined there, we haven't seen that business pick back up again. So. Mm. What happens in the coming weeks, I feel, with uh, with Cine World, is is anyone's guess. But as you said, if you see any positivity, you could see some volatility to the upside.
0: I think in, I, I, uh, I think the, the challenges Cineworld. they've got too is if they uh, some of the properties could be uh, could be sold on to property developers. That's fine, but of course, a cinema is a particular type of establishment, isn't it? It's a particular shape and size of building, so. Um, so, unless you knock it down and start again, it's very hard to develop in, into something else that could work in the current environment. So that's the challenge they face, um, you know. Because a, a lot of businesses that have huge overheads and and uh, you know huge property portfolios um, can sometimes move those portfolios on if if it's a buoyant property market. But when you've got the challenges, um, when you've got purpose built uh, establishments that Sydney have. It's very hard to then change the purpose and uh, turn them into something else. You, you've literally got to knock it down and start again.
1: Yes. And I mean, another problem here is looking at the balance sheet as of the end of last year. I mean, they had property worth 1.6, 1.7, uh billion but that that stacks up against uh loans and borrowings of of 5 billion. Yeah. So yeah. you know yeah. it, it it doesn't even cover that. No. Which cool. is uh you know it it might buy them some time if they're able to to manufacture that, but then they're obviously you know if, if it goes into any use apart from from cinemas then you know that that knocks down their their revenue if they're selling it off like that. So mm. a tricky situation and and one I feel I don't have uh you know any Certainty and what's going to be happening with them in the in the coming weeks. Yeah. So, Alan, now let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Hmm. Tech Capital, um, in, investment company, um, operating a number of portfolio companies, uh, holding, a, I should say, a number of portfolio companies, um, in technologies really that have uh, the potential to, to provide a positive impact on a large number of people they they've got some that are unlisted some that uh that have listed and one of those have listed just recently it's uh a smart eyewear uh brand lucid allen um that went on the nasdaq uh last monday um what's yeah looking at that what i mean what how did that uh perform for them and what's what's the latest from tech Capital?
0: well it, it was a very a very sort of a strong ipo got away but um as often happens Post IPO, you'll see you'll see uh, you know uh, investors involved in the IPO sell their shares or sell down their holdings, and there's a warrant package with this with it as well. Of course, the warrants trade separately, um, so so a, a lot of investors mu- uh, will probably take the decision to take some money off the table, i.e., sell the shares um, and hold on to the warrants going forward. So I think um, the lucid, uh, you know, lucid has, has fallen since its IPO, um, understandably. Um, and, uh, and of course, um, uh, but um, the actual business, underlying business itself is is very strong indeed. And indeed, uh, you've probably seen the interview that I conducted with uh, Clifford Gross, the chief executive last week, uh, discussing that, just the, the innovation behind it. You know, the first company, it's the first company ever to deliver prescription glasses with Bluetooth technology included. So um and 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 you know cliff was saying he's a big fan of the technology it's got it's, it's got so many applications you know we have smart watches now smart glasses are are very much uh, very much the, the next big thing so they're right on the cusp of this huge growth market so the early sell off i think we've seen in lucid Shares is simply um uh, investors involved in the ipo just taking some money off the table and Hanging on, hanging on to the warrants for the for the upcoming ride. So, but it, of course, it's not just about uh, Lucid. You know, um, Tech Capital itself is a is it's a global IP investment group um, focused on transferring university technology into valuable. Products to improve everyday lives, and of course, um, when I interviewed Clifford, we were talking from Sussex Innovation Centre, which is a very similar environment. It spins out uh, uh, technology from the university and and commercialises that tech into the uh, in, into the commercial sector, um, and certainly uh, the. The company's has had a very strong run over the past year. Six months' results announced uh, at the end of last month, a couple of weeks ago, showed a NAVing net asset value increase of thirteen percent to seventy-seven million dollars, just under Um, net asset value per share up six percent to fifty-one cents, um, and the portfolio valuation grew sixteen percent to seventy-four million. And of course, post the Lucid IPO, they still hold seventy-one percent of stock. In Lucid, and uh, I know Clifford uh, is very bullish about the future of um, of, of Lucid. But of course, there, there are uh, f- uh, four other companies that um, the company are engaged with. That uh, Clifford spoke about, uh, Guidant, which is the uh, is engaged in the new auto- autonomous vehicle market. And of course, you've got these uh, autonomous vehicles that will be driving on our roads very soon, um, and they've got to be monitored. They've got to be monitored and uh, controlled from. Uh, From from remote remote monitoring stations, and the guidance uh, offering is the best in the business. And um, it was something, Clifford explained, that it was something like a very few microseconds. So when the signal was received from the monitoring station to the vehicle, it took microseconds, literally, for that uh, command to be executed. So it's the leading technology in that business at the moment. Then, of course, they have, a, uh, I, I should say, they've got 100% investment in Guidant. They, they own 100% of the uh, the, te- the uh, company. Then there's Microsalt, of which they own 97%. Microsalt is reduced salt for snacks. And, of course, salt um, and sodium are in snack foods are one of the key uh, factors in obesity and hardening the arteries. Um, so what uh, Microsalt does, it produces salt granules, which have, which uh, still tastes very strong, but um, they are—they're much smaller. So, so the the actual uh, particles are much smaller. So you need far fewer of them uh, to get the same taste in a snack. So it's it, it's it's again the simplest idea is the vessels, aren't they? And this is such a simple idea, but a really innovative way to to um, to to uh, 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 change perception in that market. And of course. Um, uh, that will contribute to an improvement in health for people that, um, that, that love snacks. And then, of course, they have 15% in Bellascura PLC, which is um, an AIM-traded me- medical device company which uh, um, uh, develops portable oxygen, gener- oxygen generators for COPD sufferers um, and, again, the leading device in the world. So, so the company's had a really, really uh, strong run over the past year. Um, the share price... Um, You know, uh, has uh, taken a a little dip in the past few days, um, and that will be on the back of of course the sell-off on the Lucid IPO. But uh, looking at the uh, the the steps forward that the company has taken, um, indeed the broker um, SB Angel um, announced uh, a buy rating for the company last week with a forty-nine pence price target, Um, and they uh, SB Angel have said they continue to see significant upside to the current valuation of each of Tech, uh, tech Capital's portfolio companies. Um, and based on the valuation of the port companies, portfolio companies combined, they have a minimum minimum value, not a target price, a minimum current value for Tech Capital of 49p per share. So, so you know, whilst the shares are down at this level, um, post the lucid IPO, I would say fully boost. You know, they're looking great value.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, sort of looking at where shares have, have been. Of course, it's been a bit of a dip since the the Lucid IPO. Which I would add, you know, in in this environment, getting an IPO away, an IPO away, uh, you know, that that's to be commended. So, yeah, nice uh, You know, although although it's you know it's dipped slightly to actually get one done and you know raise those funds in in this environment is uh, is a positive. But if we look back to the beginning of July we're look we're looking at tech capital shares beneath 20p. So, you know, at 28p at the moment, of course, we had a strong rally in anticipation of uh, the IPO. It's a bit of a buy, buy the rumor, sell the facts. But as you've outlined there, Alan, there's a number of other companies which have, uh, you know, exciting operations going on. Some of those are going to be IPOing, I understand, in the, the not too distant future. And you know, looking at ones like Microsalt, for example, really playing into you know, bigger themes out there. If you're looking at the FDA over in the United States, one of their big targets is, is, is sodium and, mm. uh, and, and salt yep. and, you know, the illnesses that it, that it causes. So, you know, th- this product's coming along just to, at the right time. Mm. So I'm sure one that we'll, uh, will update on the podcast again, as we, as we hear more from them. So now Alan, we're going to finish off with Greatland gold, one we've discussed on the podcast previously, and one that, that I'm always scratching my head with, Alan. We're looking at shares uh in Greatlands at the moment. Let's put it up here. Live price currently nine and a half pence, down two percent.
0: Just off the year um, low of nine P.
1: Yes, just just off the the, the, the year low. I and mean, if you put it on a on a year to date, you know, d- down down thirty-seven percent over the the last fifty-two weeks, down forty-four percent. But and this is all in the face of What's been uh you know, a, a strong stream of positive news, Alan. So what's what's happening here?
0: Well, uh, of course Greatland Gold, um uh that that they were the, they discovered the iconic um Haviran gold mine, which has captured the imagination of investors um around the world. Uh and I think um more than anything, um uh, encapsulates why we love investing and, and why uh you know people will and investors will invest into uh, small mining companies with a great story because you know dreams do come true, and certainly came true for uh, Greatland Gold with the Havira discovery. Um, and of course, um, after that discovery, um, shares uh, as we as we know rocketed from the company's worth some uh, twenty five million at the time. Shares rocketed uh, all the way up, and they were uh, they achieved a valuation of some one and a half. Uh, I think one and a half billion at the peak. Um, and they're now currently trading at nine half P giving the company a market cap of 400 million. Um, and of course, with the work that's been done at Haverin, it, it uh, Greatland Gold is very much a multi-asset company. So Havirin is the flagship um, asset. Um, they joint ventured with Newcrest Mining. Of course, Newcrest is one of the uh, Australian mining giants and uh, uh that they've come in newcrest had an option to um to purchase uh a, a, an additional five percent in the joint venture from greatland at 60 million dollars which they chose not to do and sean day is delighted that uh given the progress that's occurred at um haveran over the past year um that uh, that uh that that they've elected not to do so and the reason for that is that um the mineral resource estimate for Haviran has has been uh, upped yet again. It was announced. This was announced, of course, a few uh, uh, late last week. Um, Greatland retains thirty percent ownership of Haviran mineral nucle- uh, resource upgraded by Newcrest to six and a half million ounces of gold or gold equivalent. Um, at the same time, the uh, decline rate has advanced, and uh, the, of course, this is the mine decline where. Where the access to the mine is being built, which in itself is a huge undertaking, and that has accelerated, um, but it's, it's also uh, evolved at a time where the anomaly representing the original Havieran asset uh, has been discovered. And of course, they've found additional um, additional uh, 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 um, uh, anomalies or or new uh, new lines of. Um, of uh, interpretation under the ground that show that there's an additional resource there, and of course Newcrest has gone through the process with um, with uh, with uh, uh, Greatland and has established this new mineral resource estimate. So that's great news. And of course, um, you know where we are at the moment. We've got all this uncertainty in the world. Gold is a safe haven asset, um, and certainly going forward, uh, you know, to be invested into gold and for Greatland to retain this stake, I think is uh, is a very it, it, it's a very fortuitous, but also it's a very savvy move by Sean Day and the team to do that. Um, uh, because, because of course, uh, as they continue to explore, Newcrest has elected not to take up its uh, additional um, uh, 5%, but as they explore, uh, given the progress so far, it's very likely that uh, more will, will be discovered and that number could increase yet again. So we have all this, there are a range of other other assets too, and of course, um, um, clo- close to Havira, and they have uh, the uh, Canning and Patterson South uh, assets, and of course, Patterson uh, Province is uh, also being explored by other companies. We've spoken about um, First Development Resources, which is uh, an upcoming IPO, and of course, that's part owned by Power Metal Resources. Um, they also have the uh, a, a jury joint venture with Newcrest, uh, which is the jury asset, and the Scallywag asset, uh, which is adjacent to Haverin, where they've conducted an aeromag survey and identified underground conductors. So, very exciting. Of course, you know Havirin, as I say, is is now uh, the stuff of legend. It was the winner of the 2021 Commodity Discovery Award, um, and certainly going forward, um, you know, I think Sean Day and the management team that they have there. Um, they've expanded the board uh, early this year. They got Christopher Toonin as chief exec, Otto Richter as group money engineer, Paul Hallam as a non-exec. So they've got a huge team on board now to really maximise the uh, the the opportunity this asset gives them. And as we've seen, I mean, we we've seen with other companies when they make discoveries, share prices move. I mean, I uh, we spoke about Power Metal a few weeks ago, and of course. They tapped into the Malopo Farms uh, um, asset uh, last week and found a huge conductor, drilled into the edge of it, and got a big, uh, big nickel result from that. So they're sitting on a huge asset there, and the share price jumped from 0.9p. I think it hit a high of 1.7p um, uh, uh, um, uh, late last week. Uh, so, so again, it just shows you know when when the moves come, they really do come, uh, and uh, the price can snap to a new high within. Uh, days, if not hours. and certainly I think uh, where where Greatland is now, it's it offers a good solid opportunity. If there's any increase in the uh, in the uh, Haveron MRE, then um, then I'm sure Sean Day and his uh, enlarged management management team will be Hoop.
1: So just, just one point here, Alan, when we're looking at the going back to the, the, the Newcrest um, decline to take the additional 5% for, I can see, 80, 85 million. Do, I mean, do you think where the share price of Greatland Gold is had quite a significant impact in that thinking? Because, you know, if you look at yeah. Greatland Gold, it has, it has a 30% ownership of Havarian. So if you, you multiply that 5% across 30%, and you know the five percent being worth eighty five million, and then you, you look at you know their, their current market cap you know, they're not far off being able to buy out Greatland Gold's entire company and get the 30% back on, on the deal for not too far off, you know, what they were looking at potentially paying at the 5%. I mean, how much is that playing into it? I mean, if, for example, Greatland Gold was at 20p, do you, do you think Newcrest would have been snapping this up? And do you think to some extent they're biding their time to maybe see if their their shares drift a little bit more?
0: I, th- I think that's what they're doing. Uh, uh, and I think there's always, that's, 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 the, that's the other thing, of course, we, we didn't really touch on. There's, given where greatland is now there and this often happens you know a company decides to move in a different direction or maybe with the with the other assets i i just i mentioned they they Greatland might might see uh, that they can develop another asset so they may get a really good offer from uh another company to buy haviran at the stage of evolution it is now so so that th- there's always that possibility so i think i think uh yeah, you could well be right. Maybe that is is uh, that that is um, the thinking of the management team at Newcrest. They may be looking at Javier and saying, well, well, we'll refuse to buy it at that price, even though it's a good price. Um, it, we'll refuse to buy it, see what it does to the shares. Then maybe we can pick up the, the entire company on the cheap. But um, I think uh, you'll find Sean Day and the, the new management team have uh, different ideas on that. And yeah, uh, um, you know, all the time that um, all the time the asset keeps on growing, keeps on developing, then you're adding value. And if there's a there's a consequential upswing in the gold price or if there's a, a an upswing in the gold price, um, then, of course, it will uh, it will drive the the Greatland price higher. But certainly, certainly it does. It, it's um, it's worth holding for all those reasons. And of course, the fact that, um, yeah, it could that stake could be up for sale. The company could be up for sale. There's all of that, uh, all of those possibilities are rolled into one there.
1: Yeah, certainly going to be a fascinating story to watch unfold going forward. So, just a recap there of the stocks we discussed today. First up was Cineworld with the ticker of C I N E. It was then Tech Capital with a ticker of T E K. And we finished off there with Greatland Gold, which had a ticker of GGP. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John.